listening to Real Faith with Ruby and Tash, and this is Faith FM. Well done. Well done. Welcome. How are you going today? I'm doing, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I have a little bit of a headache, but I'm still good. I was going to say, when you start saying, I'm doing well, I'm doing well, I'm doing well, and you get to that third repetition, <laughs> usually that seems to communicate to me, you're not doing so well. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just like me trying to convince myself that I'm I don't I'm have well. anything else to say right now, so I'm just going to repeat myself three <laughs> times and say the same thing because I, uh, I can't say anything else. Oh, how are you going? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> have you ever noticed that when you when you when you're trying to convince yourself to feel a certain way and you're not feeling quite that way, you, yeah. you kind of have to sell it to yourself a little it's bit. True, there? yeah. It's I picked that up a little bit there. Yeah. Picked up a little bit. <laughs> so here's a question. Yes, because we're all about controversy in the news all the time. So that's so we're going to be controversial right now. And you ask the question: If you've got a headache, are you like a I'll have a Panadol and some water, or just like no, no, I want to do this au natural. I try to do it as natural as possible really? for as long as possible. So how long is as long as possible? I'll give, me, go, give, me, give me a ballpark I'll figure I'll actually here. go whole and if day. If you're listening, with, you can call headache. or text in with your answers about how you feel about <laughs> Panadol or you know your non-name brand, Par- Paramax, I think is the one that I bought Panamax, most recently. Panamax, yeah. that's the one I got. Or the if you're ibuprofen, uh, yeah. Ooh, I, ooh. Yes, anything. Paracetamol. Anything. You can start using the proper names for these things. Well, it's Panadol. <laughs> oh, wow. That's so good. It's good. So how long is too long? Because I know what kind of headache. So if it's a tension headache, is it a, have I been reading too much headache? Not enough sleep headache. So I'm, if I there are different kinds of headaches. Yeah, there are different kinds of headaches, and they just, feel different I, in your head. I, I got to be honest. There's only one kind of headache I'm aware of that I've ever had, and it's it's the one that makes my head ache. <laughs> sure. It always just, hurts in the same spot behind my right eye. I don't oh. know. So if you're a doctor, maybe you could text it in and well, tell us what's that wrong with me. That for me is like a migraine. That's a migraine. It, yeah. Well, then apparently I might get migraines. That's the only kind of headaches I've maybe. ever had. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. When I was a kid, I used to get migraines. Or I guess they're migraines. They were headaches like that, and then I'd have to spew up before I got better. I was the same, yeah, yeah. for years. I, huh. I would get migraines. Maybe we have the same problems. Maybe we should share doctor's details. Anyway, <laughs> we're going to move on to happier notes, and we're going to say that we are excited <laughs> to have you here on the show today. <laughs> yeah. We're feeling really comfortable, obviously, in the studio today, so we uh, look forward to having a great Bible study with you today as we continue our journey through John journey through the gospel of John, and we're going to be continuing and finishing today John chapter 1, and then next week starting John chapter 2. So we're excited about that. We've got a special guest on today for our Testify segment, and I say special because... It's my... He's actually my family member. He's my cousin, Mercury. Mercury? Yes. And he's a rad dude. He's got a huge mustache. He's a lovely guy. And he loves Jesus. And he's going to be sharing a little bit of his story today. So we're excited. So stick around for that and hang out for that code word. It's going to come for you later in the show. And the first caller in who gets those code words is going to get some free goodies. So hang around for that. This is John Bryant. Were you there?
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash, and uh, we're excited to have you back with us today. That was John Bryant, Were You There? What a beautiful song. Mm. What a beautiful cover of an old hymn. Um, love it. Well, it has come that time of the show where we talk about the weird and oh, wonderful the world? world that God has made. So what do you have for us today, Tash? I, I, I always love this. You know, before in that interim where I was on the show here without a co-host by myself, yeah, it was it was much harder to come up with facts I found than to just listen to them. So I'm super stoked that you've done the hard <laughs> yards, and I can just listen I've done to the, the hard, fun facts. hard work. Yeah, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Call me lazy, but that's okay. I, it's a preference. It's a preference. Are you saying that you're glad I'm here? I'm I'm glad I'm here. With I'm you glad as you're well. here. Full stop. You yeah. make the show way better. It's great. <laughs> you and Shell, we have a great time in the yeah, studio. We, do. we, we do. open the Word of God. You call in our listeners. It's great. I love it. So tell us some facts. Nobody wants to hear me talk anymore. Well, as uh, some of you know, or if you're new to the show today, um, I'm a student and I'm currently in my third year studying ministry and theology. And right now it's week eight. And what that means is it's very busy right now. Everything wants to be due in the next couple of weeks or so. And I have, I have a to-do list that is just like, there's always there's something to do and I have to read so many things in order to like complete an essay and I've just been that's how I think where most of my headache has come from um and I just oh no it's it's true I've I've been trying to do an assessment since week two so I've done one for every week since week two wow and then I have two due in since week, week two you've had to be doing one every week yeah in order to like, that's like seven. meet yeah 
Yikes. Yeah. And so I haven't really given myself a break. Anyway, but a weird and wonderful world today is about how how to get your brain to focus better. Ooh, I was ooh trying tell to me think, how to focus better because sometimes I feel like I have ADOSD, which well, is attention this is deficit. Be a weird, this is gonna, yeah, well, this is going to be a weird answer because that's why it's a weird and wonderful world. Because in order to get your brain to focus better, to to get it to hyper-focus, you exercise. Actually, Tell me it's exercise. You actually have to let it daydream. So you have to actually, it's really weird, like you have to actually let it mm. scatter Where are focus. you getting this information it's from? It's from a book. It's a real book. It's a mm. real book. I'm, I'm not kidding. His I'm, name I'm is Chris Bailey's here, book. Chris Bailey has. That's the name of the title. That's the title of the Chris book. Chris Bailey wrote this book and it's called Hyperfocus. Okay. That's, that yeah. sounds more, int- more intriguing. Anyway, so. He, I thought you said it was just called Chris Bailey's book and I thought, who's Chris no, Bailey? No, Chris Bailey. He wrote the book. <laughs> okay. So he wrote this okay, book. Okay. So, so let me, yeah. Okay, I'm so, not convinced yet. Convince me okay, a little bit more. So the, the whole idea is, uh, behind this is he started to spend less time on his devices. I think that that in and of itself might be the cure for a lot of our problems with focus. This is true. Maybe it has less to do with daydreaming and more to do with not being on social media and not watching things that are rapidly changing scene more than eight. That's every true, eight and seconds. then constantly being yeah bombarded with things. But I'll, literally I'll, thousands I'll, of ads I'll, per day. But don't completely write off daydreaming okay, okay. just yet. Okay. <laughs> okay. So he's saying, spent. He was. He did an experiment. He spent only thirty minutes uh, a day on his phone. Or yeah, on his phone. That sounds like a cure. Yeah, and it sounds like the cure for boredom. Yeah, it sounds but, like the cure for almost everything that's plaguing Western civilization. Yeah, but people today. so easily go to their phones when they're bored. They go to their phones during their lunch breaks. They go to their phones when they it's just a normal. We all do it. Yeah, and so after this week, he found that he actually had time to do other things. Obviously, but his mind started to wander, and he had to like. So he he called this thing scatter focus, but other would other people call it daydreaming or letting your mind wander. Okay, I like to call that thinking. Wow! <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, Robbie, just shoot it down just yet. <laughs> it's a different type of thinking because you're not actually putting all of your mental effort into it. Okay, okay. so okay. it's kind of like you're if. You feel like you're resting your brain, but it actually showed on M- this, like a, they've done scans, uh, MRI scans. So when you're daydreaming, you're still, or when, you, when you're letting your mind wander, you're still actually using your brain, but in a different way. Mm. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So just, this is, this You've is. You've taken me to step 1.2. You've got, you've got a minute and a half left. <laughs> Keep going. All right. <laughs> so this, you know, when you drive home and then you wonder how you got home, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Because it's like, it's, it's automatic. Yep. Okay, there's also, like, some of the best thoughts that I found, and with my little bit of research with some friends, of, uh, uh, when we're having showers. You know why? Because there's higher amounts of oxygen when the water is breaking. Yes, this is true. There's higher amounts of oxygen, but your brain so doesn't have is true, to think. Because... <laughs> the same is true by a waterfall. Yes. And the same is true at the ocean. Oh, wait. <laughs> But when you're having a shower, today we're having it, a debate. You do it every day, so you don't. Well, think, some of us do it every day. Well, most people do it every day, and it's Hopefully. such an automatic thing that when you're in there, your mind wanders. Like, okay, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yeah. So when you're doing a process that is that is that 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 has become so familiar, it's automatic. You don't have to you don't have to focus an incredible amount of brain power there. It allows you to be thinking about other things. Yeah, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I can agree with that. So there's. So there's letting your mind wander, but then there's also being 
and, and doing things that you you can always do, like automatic things, and then letting your mind wander. And which but, you can't do when you're doing Instagram. This is true. You can't do that when you're doing Instagram, when you're you're watching TV, when you're constantly, you know, on whatever social media thing it is for that for that moment. And so, the what I'm trying to say is let let our minds wander. No. <laughs> Turn off the screens. That's actually, the solution. Yeah, but turn off the screens. But to be more focused and actually let, yeah, let let your imagination run well, and you can focus better. It's weird. Love the Lord with all your heart. Love. listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash and uh, it has come that time of our show where we 
testify of what God is doing in some real people's lives today, because God is not just active in the pages of the Bible, but he is active today in the lives of real people like you and me. And today we have our friend McCurry on on air today. Are you with us, McCurry? Yeah, I'm here, mate. How you going? I'm going good, brother. It's so good to hear from you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad, mate. How are you going? We are doing well. We're doing really radio. well. We're doing well. Well, we are super excited to have you on air. And uh, for our listeners, we'd love if you would just uh, give us a little introduction, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that Tash and I both know you relatively well, especially Tash, obviously. And um, but but not necessarily everybody that's listening does. Mm, yeah. Well, my name is McCurry. I'm a uh... Born in Samoa, brought up in New Zealand, and I've uh, lived out here in Australia for about 20, 21 to 22 years now, and married uh, with four kids, and lived down in Melbourne, and we came up here in 2018 to uh, study theology. Very cool, very cool, and you have a lovely family, they've all got beautiful singing voices, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, doing great things for the Lord, excited. So... We would love to hear. I, I have not been informed what your story is about today, so take it away when you're ready. Yeah, well, look, it's, it's someone's life and uh, story is massive, but this, this is just a little snippet of, uh, you know, a journey that led to coming here to uh, Avondale. So, as I mentioned, we're from Melbourne. And um, before that, you know, um, Say, say about 14, 15 years before that, I had some dreams, you know, as a married man, you know, to sort of build this, this life for yourself and your wife and kids. And, um, you know, after accomplishing all this, you know, after building this dream life of uh, mine, my wife and kids, you know, something was missing, mm. you know, and there were, there were struggles I was going through as well, you know. I was struggling to give up a lot of things in my life that I loved doing. Um, including, you know, the partying, the alcohol, the drugs, and the things that come of it, you know. Mm. But those are other stories, uh, as well as, um, you know, money. I mean, I love my the job I had at the time and and the money that came with the uh, responsibilities, you know. So, but um, I wasn't satisfied, mm. you know. I, I um, some time before that, I, I reflected on life, and I found that I was at the happiest being involved in Pathfinders and youth. And I said to my wife, you know what, we need to take the kids back to, um, this. We, we need to go back to church for our kids to be brought up out of the church environment because, you know, there's no other environment. So that's why we came back. But though coming back to church, I wasn't committing wholeheartedly, you know. Mm. But accomplishing all these dreams you know, didn't give me that heart of satisfaction I should have and I was expecting to have. But, um, you know, God knows God knows me well, you know, instead of um, like a revelation like to Abraham and to Noah, you know, like, like a direct calling like Noah, Abraham, my son. No, nah, it wasn't like that. See, <laughs> God knew how, he knew exactly how to deal with me, you see. If you pressure me into doing something and I don't see it and understand it, you'll never get me to follow you, you know? So, you know, I'll completely go the opposite way and do exactly what I was doing at the time, even though I know exactly it's bad for me or not good for me and my family, and that's how stubborn I was at the time. But when I understand something and believe in something, oh, trust me, I am so – I'd be passionate about that thing. You know, so 
God knowing me like that, uh, you know, you know when you have uh, the on telly, you see chefs marinating their meat uh, in some sort of sauce, and yeah, so that it, uh, the the sauce is infusing the meat and ready for barbecue or whatever you're going to do with it. See, I was that content marinated in the source of God's calling to the ministry. You know, God was like marinating that mate for a little while. Um, I love it. And let the uh, let the herbs, the flavors, and the oils of the calling seep into you, and see what you do with that. See what happens with that, mate. You know. So I was struggling for for a little while with this calling within me, you know. And and God knows, God knows how passionate I am with things when I'm convicted over it, you know. And you know, it almost cost me my marriage at the time, you know, because when I told my wife, you know, about the fact that I was, yeah, I. I I was convicted about coming up here and she had other plans in mind, you know? So, but that's another, that's another story. Yeah. So when the marinade, when God's marinade infused that content in me, uh, when it did, Oh, I was in tears. I found myself driving to work early in the morning, you know, bawling my eyes out. And here's a, you know, a construction tradie crying on the freeway at five thirty in the morning. You know, it was, Winter morning, it was pretty dark, and I was looking around as well. If there was anyone looking at me, seeing uh, this bloke in the car crying that early in the morning while everyone was asleep, you know. But um, there was a lot of um, there was a lot of sacrifices that I had to uh, I had to give up and I had to endure to 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 give up for the Lord. And a year later, from there. A year later, exactly that week, when I came home from work, I received a letter from um, from Avondale um, stating that they've accepted me into the course. But the funny thing is, after giving my life to God, I went about my business. I had no idea because I came home and I told my wife what happened in the car that, that, that morning. And she goes, so what now? I said, I don't know. We just leave it to God, you know. And and that's what happened, you know, when you look back, you see God at work throughout that whole year that I basically handed everything to him and walked and did my own thing. And God is good, you know. And and that was also one of the hardest things that for me to give up as well uh, while we were making the decision to come up here was um giving up work because uh, to come up here means less money. Mm. Um, I'd be self-funded, you know. Um, and everything that I've accomplished was like going to be chucked away, you know. I I've worked hard for everything I had, you know. These were the blessings of God through my hard work, and the thought of letting all that go was, yeah, wasn't ideal at the time as well, you know. I the fact that I'm not perfect. But always, always a faithful man to God with many things. And the fact that there's one thing with me, regardless whether I'm in the church or out the church, I never gave up um, talking to God mm. in prayer, morning and the evening. And that was something that was embedded in me uh, by my grandfather. Mm. You know, morning, um, you know, devotions in the morning. And during the day, I talked to him and evening devotions. And that's something that I'm trying to 
you know, that I do with my kids regularly in, in my household, knowing it's something that uh, I want to be embedded in them and that constant communication with God, regardless of where you are in your walk of life. It's beautiful. That communication should not be severed, you know? It's beautiful. I love but, it. Um, yeah, the, the, the Lord has been a blessing, though, and his provisions for us, you know? We came up here with no jobs and now we found a place to stay in with four kids. Provided the wife um, will work, and she's the uh, you know the breadwinner, breadwinner yeah. at the moment. And um, you know through all that that walk uh, right up to now, you know God has met all our needs. You know um, through God's provisions and all that, He's met all our needs. And um, you know I, I lean a lot on um, the story of Abraham when he was told to pick up and go. That's beautiful. And the fact that God took care of them every step of the way, I, I, I find strength. Uh, and that, and 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 the strength of my trust in Him as well, and also in Proverbs three verse five, there, trust in God with all your heart. You know, that's beautiful. I mean, my own understanding, because He can see so far in the future, and we we can only see is you know, more more like backwards. That's right. Oh. The only rem- you know. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Makiri, for sharing your story. Uh, that little snippet of it. Um, such a blessing to have you on. Well, God bless you, brother. Thank you for sharing today. This is Acapeldridge. The battle belongs to the Lord. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power, and strength to the Lord. When the power of darkness comes in like a flood. The battle belongs to the Lord. He's raised up a standard, the power of his blood. The battle belongs to the Lord. And we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. When your enemy presses in heart, do not fear. The battle belongs to the Lord. Courage, my friend, your redemption is near. The battle belongs to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord, and we sing glory, honor, power and strength to the Lord. We sing glory. This is a rerun of Real Faith. Make sure you join Thursdays at 3.30 for the live show. Crucified by hands and hearts and voices he had made. Sacrificed by those he came to rescue, came to save. Forgiveness trampled over sin now and forever it is finished God of light ran into the scathing arms of death Gave his life, swallowed all my shame and pain Trampled over sin now and forever it is finished. 
Listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Sash, and this is Faith of Him. Awesome! And uh, just before we get into our Bible study, it's come that time of our of our of our radio show, and uh, I'm, I'm I'm super stoked. I am mm. stoked that we're studying the Book of John. In fact, we were just saying that I ordered. Um, you can buy. T- total side note: We are not sponsored by Kurong or anything, but I know that they sell them. You might be able to get them elsewhere. Yep. There is a you can you can get individual journal Bibles that like as in individual books of the Bible in these journal Bibles that I saw my friend was doing, uh, their church was doing this up in Wollombaugh. Um, they're doing like a whole church study through the, the gospel of Mark. Right. And they, they were advertising about these Bibles. Anyway, I've ordered one from Kurong. They're, they're the English standard version. I think it's what ESV yeah, stands for. ESV. So yep. that's a great, that's a good translation. It's a solid translation. And um, basically what it is, is on one, on the left hand side, you've got a page of the, the gospel of John. And then on the other side, you've got a whole page to take notes. So 
yeah. Anyway, I'm excited about that because it gives me some space to write so down write some thoughts. Them. Yeah, and you're not writing like these tiny little things in the margins. That's right. So, so if yeah, you're a person who's got like, I've got the Bible and it's it's scribbled all through with all my notes from the last five years of study. That's excellent. But I want to challenge you to try and see it with new eyes, you know, mm. try and address it in a new way. Anyway, we, just before we get into our Bible study, that was, I don't know why I did that shameless plug, probably because I'm a little scatterbrained. Anyway, we would love to hear from you throughout the show. Number one, we would love to hear your questions. If you have questions that are coming up from the book of John or questions that you have about Jesus, that you have about God or spiritual things or questions about the Bible or prophecy or practical Christianity, you name it. We would absolutely love to hear from you, and you can call or text in questions at any time during the show, and we will try our best to address those in our question of the week portion at the end of the show. And secondly, I'm going to give you the number for that in just a moment, but just a reminder, hang out for that code word. The secret code because word. Because the secret code word today is going to get you a free copy of this. The book God for Us, and the book just goes through the book of John. And um, it's written by a, name, a man named James Gilly. And it, wouldn't it be a great thing to have as we journey through John? Totally, because that's yeah. exactly what we're doing, journeying through John for yeah. the next number of months. Super stoked. So if you'd like to get in for either of those with your question of the week or when we call, when we give you the secret code word, you're going to be able to do that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That number again, 491 064 Double six nine. Booyah. All right, let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to continue our journey through the Gospel of John in chapter 1. Father in heaven, I just want to thank you so much for the gift of your word and the gift of your spirit. Please fill us and teach us what you have for us to learn today from your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So last week we started the book of John. We talked about some of the, the interesting tidbits, you might call them, about the Gospel of John, but I just want to do a super short recap of some of the things that we talked about last week. So notice, number one, the Gospel of John is introduced in the beginning, and it starts by highlighting the divinity of Jesus Christ, that God, that, sorry, that Jesus was with God, he was God, he made everything that has been made, so he therefore is not made, and he then goes on to call Jesus light. By the way, in 1 John, he says that God is light, so there's another connection there talking about the divinity of Jesus, and he highlights all of this in a profound way, and he talks about how this word that was spoken at the beginning that was Jesus, that created everything, became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. And you have this picture of God becoming a human being. The, 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 what my, the word I'm trying to think of is the great condescension, right? He condescends. He comes down and lowers himself to the lowest of the low. He's born in a stable. He's born as, a, as an infant child to a, a poverty-stricken family. And he's born in this time where even the nation of Israel is under Roman rule. Like It's just this huge step down, and he does this for one purpose, to save the lost to save every human being that's possible to be saved, which is, you know, everybody that is is possible to be saved. Everybody who chooses to respond will be saved, right? That's the point. So that's where we left off, and we, we, we finished up with John the Baptist starting his ministry, and we finished off last week with the question that was asked to him, if, who are you? Who are you, John, and why are you baptizing? Are you the Christ, the Messiah? Are you Elijah? come back from heaven? Are you, you know, are you the prophet that was prophesied by Moses in Deuteronomy that would be like Moses? Who are you and what authority have you been given? Why are you baptizing? And he says, I'm coming to prepare the way of the Messiah, the way of the Lord. 
I've come with a message of repentance, and that's where we left off. Cool? Cool. Awesome. So we are now going to continue on in John chapter 1. So if you're following along, we're in the Gospel of John, the fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, then John, and we're in verse 29. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. Okay, let's pause there. What is going on here? What is John saying? He's he's telling everybody who Jesus is. People don't know who he is, but he's saying, look, this is the lamb that we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is Jesus. Okay, so you got like, to just, wrap your mind around this for a moment, right? Yeah. You, sometimes it's easy for us if we're reading the Bible to be like, oh, yeah, I know who Jesus is a bit. Like, oh, yeah, he's that guy, claimed to be God, did miracles, died on the cross. Da, 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 da. And we kind of have this mindset lazily. Because it's familiar to us, even in just generally in a broader Western context, the average person has heard of the name of Jesus in a Western culture because Western culture is built on the foundations of Judeo-Christian values, etc., etc. If you put yourself into the shoes of a first century Jewish person living in Jerusalem or the surrounding region of what's called Judea, and there's a man who's dressed in camel hair with a rope around his waist, and the homie's like, he's eating locusts. Now, that might be the locust plant. He was maybe a very strictly vegetarian, or it could also be locusts because, you know, that's Levitically clean, speaking from the scriptural context. He could eat that as a Jew. He was eating that and honey. That was his life, and he was living out in the wilderness. He wasn't coming into the cities to preach. He wasn't dressing prestigiously, and he was preaching some Hectic stuff, by the way. Like, like you got to get your mind around this. John was no pushover, nice, calm, peaceful, encouraging, pat you on the back, everything's going to be fine kind of message. No, no, no. He was preaching to people, repent. And what does repent mean, Tash? It means to do a 180 on your life. Sorry. I love that. Yeah. Well, that's <laughs> a total 180. A total He's 180. Saying, Turn yeah. around. Yeah. And you got to remember that in this context, he's preaching things like, hey, Herod, the leader of Jerusalem right now, guess what? You, uh, you've shacked up with your brother's wife. That's a sin, and you need to change your ways, right? Here's an, an, a corrupt leader who could have him put to death. News flash later on, perhaps that might happen. Yeah. Um, spoiler alert. <laughs> But this is so the kind of stuff that he's punches. preaching. Like, yeah. he, and he's preaching to people, yeah. and when he sees the Pharisees coming out, the religious leaders, he says, who warns you to flee from the wrath to come? That's what he's preaching. So it's not like just some some soft message. No, he's he's preaching a powerful message of wake up. Wake up and check yourself because you're on a pathway that leads to destruction. And in the context of that message, which, by the way, is the message that prepares the way for Jesus. Like, if you, gotta, if you think about this, this is the Elijah message, so to speak, for those that are familiar with that term. He's preaching, repent, because God's kingdom is coming. Like, this is, this is the message that John is, being, is, is preaching. And here comes Jesus, and what does he say? Nobody knows who Jesus is. He's from a rink-a-dink little town in Galilee, which we're going to learn a little bit more about later in the Bible study. And here comes Jesus. He's a nobody. you got to really remember this. Jesus, at this point, has not had any public ministry. He is not well-known. 
the last thing that we've heard about his life is that he was 12 years old in the temple teaching people, and people were astonished that he knew so much when he wasn't trained by the rabbis. That's the last that we've heard of Jesus from, from age 12 to age 30. So 18 years of total silence on the life of Jesus. He's a nobody. Nobody knows him. And yet when he walks onto the scene as a nobody that nobody recognizes, John looks and he says, Behold, in other words, wake up, open your eyes, and look at this man. Because this man, this man, skin and bones and flesh in front of you, this is the, not a, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. In other words, everything that all of our whole religious background and culture, the Torah, the prophets, the writings of the Old Testament, every single thing, our whole sanctuary system has been focused up to this point where this man is going to die for the sins of the world and be the single point of access to God for all of mankind from creation to finish line. This is that man. It's so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus saith the Lord Jesus, Jesus, how trust him how I proved you more and more Jesus Jesus precious Jesus oh for grace to trust him so glad I learned to trust him precious Jesus Savior friend and I know that he is with me will be with me to the end Jesus Jesus Jesus, oh, for grace 
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. That was a real American way to say my name. And we are, that was a beautiful song. That was, Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus by Casting Crowns. I love, I actually love that hymn. I'm not a huge, like, hymn guy, but uh, there are a few that just rock my socks off, and that's one of them. Anyway, I love that song, and I hope that it's been a blessing to you. We just want to do another plug here, that the secret word, you better hang out, man. Secret Secret word word might be coming a little earlier than you think based on the last couple of weeks, and it might be coming a little bit later. So you're going to have oh, to hang out for that, because oh. when we get the code word, you're going to be able to win Keep your, your free copy of God for Us. Did I get it right? Yeah, you did. Yes. According to John by James Gilly. And he he and he writes it in a down-to-earth way, so it's anybody can pick this up and, and read along with them as we do our study of John. Awesome. Yeah. So if you'd like to get your hands on that, listen up for the code word, and when you hear it, you can call or text this number, and if you've got any questions, you can call or text this same number at any time through the show. We would love to hear from you. That number is... 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. Awesome. So we only got so far through. We, we really commented on one verse. So we're going to get through chapter one today. Believe us. Trust us. We may not be the most trustworthy people when it comes to that kind of promise, but we're going to do our very best to get through it. We're going to do our very best to get through it today. We will. Um, we are starting two next week, so it just is what it is. Okay, so behold the Lamb of God. Mm. that's how he announces this. It says this is the next day. So just keep in mind that the order of days, day one of the story is that John is preaching and they come and question him. The very next day, Jesus appears. He walks onto the scene and John says, behold, the Lamb of God. This is the Messiah that you've been waiting for. He's the one that takes away the sins of the world. And I love this. He says, I did not know him. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel, that he should be revealed, uncovered, made known. Like, I did not know him, but in order for him to be made known to Israel, therefore I came baptizing with water. John's purpose was to reveal the Messiah. And check this out. Watch what God told him as we read these next verses. We're start, continuing in John 1, verse 32. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Awesome. Okay, so what's what's he saying here? What's happening here, Tash? What we, what's going on with John? What's he what's he talking about here? This, so this is this is the the continued statement that he's making about Jesus. What does he say? You're thinking. You got your thinking cap on big time here. <laughs> well, he's he's thinking. Well, what, no, I'm thinking. What he's what he's saying is that he's he's going to see the Spirit descend upon him like a dove. That's right. So he's been given a clue, right? Yeah. So what he's saying here is John did not know Jesus, right? He did not know Jesus was the Messiah. 
right? Like you got to think about this in the context. The, the, the reality is if, I, if we understand it correctly that John the Baptist was actually the cousin of Jesus, but it seems that they did, their paths didn't seem to cross so much growing up. We have no record of them crossing paths. We have record of their mothers crossing paths at yeah. one point when they were both pregnant. But the reality is there's a disconnect here where he does not know, does not know Jesus, but he has been called by God for a purpose, and that's to reveal the Messiah that they do not know. And all throughout the book of John, we mentioned this last week, but this is going to come up time and again and again and again throughout the book of John, and that's this word know. Now remember in John chapter 1 earlier, when it was talking about Jesus in verse 10, it said this. It said, He, Jesus, the Word, was in the world, and the world was made through Him, and the world did not know Him. Now, it says here that John himself, twice he says, I did not know Him. I did not know Him. I did not know Him. How? So how do we come to know the Messiah? How do we come to know Jesus? And it's very interesting that he says, I was told by God how to identify the Messiah when he arrived so that I could reveal him to Israel so that everyone could have the opportunity to do what? To know him. To know him. Mm. And you're going to see this word pop up again and again and again because the reality is this is the point of all of our human existence truly is centered around this one thing. Do we know Jesus? And not just not just know, the word there is not just to know intellectually. Yeah, I know Jesus was a man who lived in Palestine in the first century A.D., that he was born approximately 4 A.D., that he was baptized in 27 A.D. here, that he was crucified in A.D. 31, that he was resurrected, right? Like, you can know all of that intellectually, and that can do nothing for you. The word that's used here has the implication of personal, experiential, relational, connected knowledge, a relationship of submitting to God, of learning of Him, of letting Him direct in your life. And that's what's being talked about here. But I love this. In order to know Jesus, He has to be revealed. He has to be revealed to you. You have to have an opportunity, right? And God is the one who is revealing Jesus. Isn't that beautiful? He's revealing Him. It's the light that was given to all men, all ways, from all time. That was Jesus. But here He's being revealed in person form, in the flesh. And I love this. This is really cool. What does he identify him as? He says, the one that you see the Spirit descending and staying on, right? Is that, am, I, am I reading that? Yep. Remaining on him. Yeah. This is the one. This is the one who doesn't just baptize with water as a symbol. He's the one who baptizes with the Spirit. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives rebirth. And we're going to talk about that in a couple of chapters, this idea of being born by the Spirit, being born again. But I love this. He says, I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Mm. Now, what's the significance of that term, Son of God? That's, a, that's an interesting title, isn't it? It is. Did you know that this is... Oh, oh no, man. Hey, just a little heads up there if you got Siri on there. She Siri sometimes hears you saying things that you didn't say. By the way, it's not a she. It's just a, it's just a, it's a computer program. It's not a person. <laughs> Anyway, Psalm 2, I'm getting off on a rant here. Psalm 2, verse 7, is something that's really connected to this. Psalm 2 is a messianic prophecy that David wrote, I believe. Oh, it doesn't say it was David, sorry, my bad. Somebody wrote, could have been David, could have been someone else. Psalm 2 talks about the Messiah. And notice what it says in verse 7. It says, I will declare the decree 
The Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And this whole idea of the Son of God being the Messiah, the divinity of Jesus is again being highlighted here. And he's he's making a statement that is born out of Psalm 2, which is a messianic prophecy. Jesus is the Son of God. And what is it that that sets him apart, that does these things? Well, he, God identifies how to find him in this context, and John's purpose, John's job, John's role is to reveal Messiah. Isn't that cool? It's, I just yeah. think it's powerful. I think it's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, we should continue reading because we're, we're not going to get through this if we don't keep going. So we're back in John chapter 1, and um, we're going to be continuing from verse 35. You there, Tash? Yep, we have. Awesome. Again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples, and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Awesome. All right, let's pause there for a moment. So what does he call him again? He's calling him the Lamb of God again. That's right. Yeah. He's calling him the Lamb of God. Over and over and over, John is preaching this. Now, why is this so significant? What's the deal with the Lamb of God? Like, I guess we talked about it a little bit before, but but what what is the Lamb of God? The Lamb of God, when you when you think of the sacrificial system, is the Lamb that takes a, or that takes the sins. It's the Lamb's. Yes, that's where we're going. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Don't look with doubt. You've got it. You're on the money. And it's the lamb that not only that they would they would put the sins in, but it was through their blood that their transgressions were gone, that their sins were gone, that that they could make things right in there. Yeah, so they could get reconciliation. So this lamb coming, they've been waiting for it as well. So they've been in the in this temple sacrifices. They've been using a physical, like a real lamb, mm. but now, but they've been waiting for the Messiah to come. The the lamb in in human form to come. I love this. It's so good. So good. Think about this. This is the connection that sticks out in my mind. He, in, in this same passage, right? In this same passage, it says, I have seen and testified that this, this is the son of God. The son of God is also the lamb of God. And what does that mean? This means that God himself is the one who is providing his own life as the offering to save sinful people like you and like me.
You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. That was Amy Grant, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And all, every, every time I hear Amy Grant, it just reminds me of my mom because she used to listen to Amy Grant all the time when I was a kid. I remember Amy. The, the Christmas album particularly. Yeah. 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 So shout out to my mom. You're probably not listening because you're in America and it's probably like 2 a.m. But, well, anyway, love you. <laughs> all right. So before we get back into our Bible study, we just want to do another plug. Because we haven't heard from anybody with your questions yet, and uh, we would love to. So yeah, please send in your questions. There's still time. And um, by the way, the code word is platypus. There you go. <laughs> Did you catch that? Platypus. Platypus. Wow. So if you would like to call in or text in to 0491-064-669, the first two callers are going to receive a free copy of this book, God For Us, talking about the book of John and how it reveals Jesus, a good side-by-side commentary to go with your reading, and the first two callers. So get on there quick. Make sure you're quick. It's not one and three this time. It's one and two. The first two, call or text 0491-064-669. That number again, if you've got those rapid digits, is 0491-064-669, and the code word was platypus. Because it's Australia, and it was the first thing that came to my mind. Anyway, we're going to get back into our Bible study now. <laughs> awesome. Sorry, I had like a fun fact, but I don't want to share because it's not a fun fact. Like, okay, so... I, I just want to say, do you know platypus, they're monotremes. Monotremes, that's right. Yeah. That's right. They're yeah, they, a classification of animal. They're a classification of mammal that gives yeah. that lays eggs. That's right. Yeah. There you go. That's cool. Fun fact. So make sure you text in, call in that number. With the word platypus. All right. John chapter 1. So so here's John. He has identified Jesus, right? They've asked him the question, who are you? What are you doing? We've been sent here to check you out. Your ministry is growing. You've got people coming from all over the place, out into the wilderness, being baptized. What's that about? And why are you doing this? By what authority are you doing this? And he says, I have been sent. And he quotes, if I remember correctly, it was from Isaiah. Is that right? Yes, Isaiah. And he says, I am the messenger that was sent out in advance to announce the coming of the Messiah. That's my job. That's my role. I didn't know him. I didn't know him, but God showed me how to identify him. Isn't it powerful that he gave John a method of identifying who Jesus was, and in the Scriptures God has given us ways of identifying prophetically who Jesus is and whether or not he fulfills those prophecies about the Messiah, and he fulfills all of them. Newsflash. It's awesome. And so John the next day is declaring, Jesus is the Lamb of God. This is the man. This guy from this rink-a-dink, nobody town, nowhere place. This is the guy. And I've seen him. And then the very next day again, so day one, day two, day three, on day three of this story, he says, look, this is the Lamb of God. And he's got two of his own followers standing beside him. And what would you do if you were standing there and you had been following John and believing his ministry, believing his teachings and preachings, you had repented of sin, you had turned back to God, you were seeking for a revival of your faith, you were not looking to John to be your only teacher because he says, Messiah is coming in this lifetime, he's coming soon, I'm going to show him to you. God told me he would reveal to me the one. And then he points and he looks and he says, behold, that's the Lamb of God. What would you do? What would you do if you were one of John's followers? Because you're not looking for John. You're looking for Messiah. It's true. I'm, I'm looking for the Messiah. I would, I would try and follow. I would follow the guy. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. a great answer. I, I would try hey, to. Hey, where do you live, bro? Yeah. If, if, if it was today, I'd like check all the socials. And 
you know, what's this guy up to? Who is he? You know, where's he from? That's right. I will try to find everything out about him. Okay, so let's see what they do. Verse 37. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned, and seeing them following, said to them, What do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is when translated teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and he remained with them that day. Now, it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard... Right, let's pause there for a moment before we go any further. What's what's happening here? The two guys do what? <laughs> so they literally follow him. That's right. Yeah. And I love the way that it reads out, by the way. like, so, Don't let the words be just flat on the page. Like, Picture it. Put it in your mind. It says, it says then Jesus... Like, wait, sorry. When they heard him speak, they just followed Jesus. And in my mind, they're like they're like falling on. They don't talk to him. Doesn't say anything. They're just they just begin walking where he's going. Can you imagine how you would feel if just two random dudes you would just walk through a crowd and here's two guys popped out of the crowd and they're just walking behind you. Yeah. You turn left, they turn left. You turn right, they turn right. Yeah. You stop, they stop. <laughs> but they're not talking to you. Yeah. And so what does Jesus do? What does Jesus do when he sees people seeking to follow him because they want to know if he is who he says he is? He says these words, what do you seek? And I love that. Isn't that great? Why do yeah. you love that? Because he's not asking a weirdo, why, what are you doing? He just goes straight to what what the heart of what they're doing. I love it. Yeah. I love it. He, he doesn't, doesn't even know them, but he knows that, that's, that they're seeking him. Yeah. So he gets straight to it. He's kind of like, hey, what you want? What you after? Yeah. I love that. I love that he doesn't just turn around and say, hey, man, uh, Obviously, John just said, I'm the, I'm the Messiah. So what are you doing? Hurry yeah. up. Let's go. Like, get your gear. Let's get out of here. What does he say? He says, what do you seek? What are you chasing? What is that deep and burning desire in your heart? Why are you following me? Why are you, why are you trailing me? And then they say to him, Rabbi. Now, that's interesting, right? Because they probably were calling John. Rabbi, mm. right? They were followers of John. It doesn't say that they were just random guys in the crowd. It says they were disciples. A disciple means literally one who follows. So they were followers of John and his message. But here's the point, and there's a great point in this. Their purpose was not to follow John because John was not preaching for his own sake. He was preaching to reveal the Messiah, Jesus. And I want to make a point right here that is incredibly profound. Sometimes we might get really caught up in following a hip preacher or some particular teacher whose, whose ideas about Scripture tickles our fancy, and we just want to follow them. But as soon as John identified Jesus, they went, Oh, the whole reason we were following you, John, is to know the Messiah, and you've identified him for us. So thank you so much for what you've done for us. We're going to go where the truth is. We're going to find Jesus. Don't put your faith and your hope in some human preacher or teacher. It doesn't matter how good they are, how much they know. It's not about them. It, don't put your faith and your hope in the preacher. Put your hope and your faith in Jesus. And I love that. I love that. And what, is, what does he say? They're like, hey, rabbi. right? They call him rabbi. What are they saying there? What are they trying to communicate? They say, rabbi, where are you staying? They're saying, we want to follow you, teacher. We want to be your disciples. We want to follow you. And notice what he says to them. He doesn't, he doesn't say, hey, what's your, uh, what's your academic uh, criterion? Uh, what's your track record? How good have you been? He doesn't say, hey, by the way, uh, here's the record of all your wrongs of your past. I'm a little bit sketchy. You've got to demonstrate and prove to, your, prove to me that you're, you're a valid person to be following me. No, 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 no. He simply extends an invitation to these two people that we know nothing about. He just simply says, come and see. 
Come and see. And isn't it interesting that the idea of knowing is personal, experiential, visiting, knowing, relational. And he says to these very people, he says, come and see. In other words, come and see for yourself. Come and test me out for yourself. Come and try me. Check me out. Spend time with me. Come stay with me. Come speak with me. And notice what time it says it was. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon, right? That's the 10th hour. 6 plus 10 takes you to 4 p.m., right? Is that, I think that's my, the right math. 6 plus 6 to noon plus 4. Yeah, yeah. 4 yeah. p.m. Yeah. And it says that they come. And they're kind of come and see. And I just love this invitation. Jesus' invitation to, is to all people. Come and see for yourself. Don't just take John's word for it. Don't just believe because of what someone else said. Don't just believe it because the preacher said it, because the pastor said it, because the scripture teacher said it, because your friend, your mom, your, your, whoever. He says, come and see for yourself. And that's the invitation Jesus makes to everyone. I love that. Let's keep reading. Now, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Awesome. So, so what's th- happening here? Go for it. Just keep reading? No, no, no. Oh, no. no. Go for it. We'll read the next one in the next section. Okay. Um, Too much to comment on we to keep meet, reading it. We meet people with names. Um, we, there was the two guys that followed Jesus from, from John's followers, disciple followers. We don't know their names. But now we have names of, of, of people. And these names specifically end up being his disciples. But we... Well, it, it says that one of those two was Andrew. One of those two, yeah, was That's Andrew. That's right. Yeah. So one of them was Andrew, and I love this. What is the first thing that Andrew does when he finds Jesus? He goes to tell his brother. He goes to tell the persons that he loves the most, come and see Jesus for yourself. God used John the Baptist Who left his home and good past Left the religion of his age He turned from the oldness And spoke Yeah.
are listening to real faith with robbie and tash that was the real slow-mo That's version the slow on faith version. fm so welcome back from that beautiful song that song i'm going to try and say the band name the band name was nycypcd and the song was entitled god needs overcomers overcome so that's what that song was it was beautiful and uh, just a reminder, we've had one caller in for the code word, so I'm going to give you one secret chance. But before I give you that secret chance and re- reveal to you again the code word in case you missed it, I want to encourage you to please call with your questions because i got to be honest, that's one of my very favorite things about doing this radio show is hearing from you and being able to wrestle with the questions that you have about God, the Bible, spirituality, etc. So please call and text in with any questions that you have that you'd like to have us explore after the break with our question of the week segment. And uh, also there's one more free book to give. So the code word again was platypus. Platypus. And um, you can get access to that by calling or texting 0491-064-669. That's 0491-064-669. That's right. You heard it twice. If you didn't hear it already, it's too late. I'm sorry. No, it's not too late. We'll tell you again. Just text it and we'll tell you. Just Google Facebook. <laughs> anyway, we're going to get back into the Bible study, but just one more shameless plug while I'm thinking about it just real briefly. Hey, by the way, if you if you find this show to be a blessing to you, if you're enjoying what we're studying in Scripture, or if you can think of a friend or a loved one who you go, man, I think they'd be interested in learning about the book of John, learning about Jesus through this, please uh, tell them about the show because... I mean, that's what people do on YouTube. They share it, they they send it around, and that's how more people get access to it. So here's a great opportunity. If uh, you've been blessed by this, share it with your friends. Give them a link on Facebook to the, the Faith FM website or to the radio. And uh, yeah, let's share the love and let's get into the book of, of John. Anyway, that's not a plug for us. It's just a plug for Jesus. That's hmm. the point. We want to share Jesus, and this is a great way to do it. So I feel like a salesman. Enough salesman. Let's get back into the Bible. <laughs> let's do it. Okay, so... This is really neat. John, not John, Jesus. Jesus has been found by Andrew and some unnamed disciple. And the first thing, the very first thing that Andrew is recorded as doing is he goes out and he finds, and that word shows up like five or six times in the chapter from here forward. It just says he found. 
he found his brother and said to him, we have found the Messiah, right? He goes and he gets the person that he loves and he brings him to Jesus. He finds someone and he brings someone. And this is beautiful because this is the purpose of the Christian journey. It's not just about us. It's not just about us and being saved, being forgiven, being transformed. Those are all beautiful, powerful truths, but it's never just been about us. And that's the very thing that's at the heart of God's of God's character is it's other-centered. And so I love this. Andrew's desire that's just naturally born out of meeting the Messiah is he says, I have to go get my brother and tell him that I've found the one we've been waiting for. And I love this. When, when, when he comes, Jesus says, I'm going to give you a different name. You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Isn't that interesting? Or often translated as Peter or Petros, Petros. in the Greek. Yeah. So he says, we're going to call you a stone. And isn't it interesting that often in Scripture, when somebody is called by God for a new purpose in life, a new direction, he often gives them a name. A new name. A new name, yeah. And what's really interesting is that even in Revelation, one of the promises to the seven churches is that when you overcome, right, by God's grace overcome to be saved and, and enter into his kingdom for eternity, he says you will get a new name, a name that no one else even knows, right? Isn't that beautiful? Because you have a new purpose, a new direction in life. Isn't that fantastic? All right, let's keep reading. Let's read from 43 onward. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Awesome. Let's pause it. Okay, so so Jesus finds somebody named who? Pop quiz. Everyone's panicked. It's Philip. Philip. Don't stress. It's okay. It's just Philip. All right, so Jesus finds Philip, and what does he invite him to do? To follow me. He says, become one of my followers. Mm-hmm. Philip begins to follow Jesus. And notice, what is, what is the first thing that Philip is recorded as doing after he becomes a follower of Jesus? He also finds somebody, Nathaniel, his, his friend. That's right. And yeah, tells him. Look, we found, we found Jesus. We found the Messiah. That's exactly right. So we're seeing the very first followers of Jesus that we see joining Jesus' crew, so to speak, right? Becoming followers of Christ. What's the first thing that they're recorded as doing, both of them? Or telling someone, like telling their, their loved ones, telling their friends. That's about, right. Yeah. Spreading Sharing the news. It. They're finding people. When they have been found by Jesus and they follow Jesus, the very next thing that, do, that they do is they find people to bring to Jesus. Because in order to know him, you have to know him, right? Does that make sense? Like yeah. You have to meet somebody to, to get to know them. And so the invitation here is continually go and find someone, bring them to Jesus. And this is how it happens. It happened with John by John's witness proclaiming who Jesus was. The people that were in his personal sphere of influence, these two followers, they become followers of Jesus now. And as soon as they become followers of Jesus, what do they do? They go and bear witness. They testify, like like the segment of our show, right? They testify, we have found the Messiah. His name is Jesus. He's from Nazareth. Come and see him. Come and see for yourself. The invitation Jesus gave was come and see. The invitation that Jesus' followers give is come and see. Not see me. Not see you, come and see Jesus. 
I love this. It's so powerful. Now, when he says, hey, we found him. He's Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. What's Nathaniel's response? <laughs> His response is, does anything good come out of Nazareth? Yeah, it's, it's almost like you can picture him laughing. He's like, hang on a second. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. You mean you found the Messiah and he's from Nazareth, right? Like he's from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. Hold, hold on a moment. Nazareth. Nazareth. I want, have you ever thought about Nazareth? Did you know that Nazareth is from a region? What, do you know what region it's from? Pop quiz. No? So it's from the region of Galilee. Now, Galilee is in the very northern regions of Israel, right? Galilee was associated with having a lot of Gentiles or non-Jewish people in the area. Um, Galilee is mentioned in the Old Testament. If you've got a Bible, check out 1 Kings chapter 9, verse 11. Watch this. Um, in 1 Kings chapter 9, I thought I was on the page, but I'm not, so now I am. There's this passage where, where King Solomon gives a gift. And check out this gift. It's a, it's a handsome gift, right? He gives a huge gift to this, to this other king of Tyre. It says, now it happened at the end of 20 years, Solomon had built the two houses, the house of the Lord, etc., that Hiram, the king of Tyre, had supplied Solomon with cedar and cypress and gold as much as he desired to build the temple, that is. And then it says this, that King Solomon then gave Hiram, king of Tyre, 20 cities in the land of where? Galilee. Galilee. Okay, so he gives this gift to the king. He's like, thank you so much for providing us with all of these things for my palaces and for the temple of God, which is one of the ancient wonders of the world. As a gift of thanks, here are 20 cities for you to take over in the land of Galilee. Now you think, man, this is a great gift. I would love to get some property, get some real estate. It's got some good value. Check out how he describes it. It says, then Hiram went from Tyre to see the cities that Solomon had given him, and they did not please him. And then in 13, it says this. So he said, hey, what kind of cities are these which you have given me, my brother? And he called them the land of Kabul, as they are to this day. Okay, you're like, oh, yeah, what, what difference does that make? What's Kabul mean? Are you ready for this? All right, the land of Kabul. Kabul means in 913, literally, good for nothing. Where is Jesus' town from? The land of Galilee. The land of good, good for, for nothing. nothing. you got to understand that in the mind of the people, Nazareth is a rink-a-dink, nowhere place where people who are uneducated, people who are low socioeconomic, people who are not part of, of the greater part of Judea, they're not prestigious. Jesus is from here. He is born in poverty. He is born in a place that is looked down upon. He's born in the land. Well, he's not born there, sorry. He lived. He was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth in the region of Galilee, which is called good for nothing. So Philip's like, hey, we found Jesus. He's from Nazareth. He's the Messiah. And he's like, what are you talking about? Can anything good come from the land that's good for nothing? Isn't that awesome? So cool. So what happens next? Nathaniel joins the journey, and he, he is eventually persuaded somehow by Philip to come and see for himself. And we're going to continue that rest of the story after we take a bit of a break for the news and we're going to find out is there something good to find in this land that was good for nothing or is philip wasting his time and is nathaniel actually right my name is danny from the looking up show and i'd like to invite you to a brand new online series that i will be sharing beginning on october 5 called discover hope finding peace 
in uncertain times. Together, we're going to discover from the Bible what the future holds. Is there any real hope? And what does the Bible predict about our future? So if you want to join me, simply go to discoverhope.info. That's discoverhope.info to register. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. You're listening to Real Faith, but it's not as real as it could be. Why, you ask? Because this isn't the live show. So as good as this is, the live show is where it's really at. Join us every Thursday from 3.30 to 5.30 p.m. so you can be involved live.
saved all the others, but can't save yourself. We don't need you, Jesus. We're well and we're good. And your name. Welcome back. You're listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. And this is Faith FM. Hey, what time is it, Tash? Oh, question of the week. Yeah. Awesome. So we had a, a, a bit of a question. It was kind of, it's kind of hard to put it in as a question because it wasn't exactly a question. It was kind of a response to the the passage of John 1, 1 to 3, talking about the deity of Jesus. So I guess we're going to, as a response to that, we, we, the question is basically this. What what other evidences are there of the divinity or the deity of Jesus? What are, what are the other, what other examples are there in Scripture to identify Jesus as divine, that he is not made, right? Um, which is a very important question. I think it's a huge question because the implications of the question of whether or not Jesus is fully divine, like not that he was as in Jesus was not made, which I think is is made fairly clear from John 1, 1 to 3. But it's a huge question because, let's put it this way, if Jesus ever came into being at a point after God existed, right? Because it says that God is the ever-existent, the all-existent one, the one who is ancient of days, the one who is self-existent, the one who was not created, Right, And so Scripture paints this picture, I believe, of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit being all together through that whole period, right? From eternity past, you might call it. If that's not true, then we run into some really big theological problems. If Jesus was a created being, then for some reason it seems that God needed to kill one of his creatures in in order to save other of his creatures. But it also communicates that he himself was not willing to sacrifice himself. So it's a pretty big issue. Um, there are many debates that have happened around this. Uh, you've got, oh, what's the dude's name? You've got the Arian issue that happened in the early church during the, oh, I don't remember the time period now. Anyway. It was just after the Apostolic Fathers, was it? Over okay, that, that sounds about right. Yeah. The early church history time where you've got the Arian view that talked about Jesus as a created being, as, as totally not divine, basically, but, but given privileges. Anyway, the... We could talk about all that stuff, but I want to just go through some other passages that help to support what I believe is being said here in John, that Jesus is himself divine. Uh, the first one that I'd like to look at is in First John. So can you read for us, Tash, actually in John chapter 1, no, no, just John chapter 1, can you read for us verse, uh, I think it's 10, the light of the world, that Jesus was the light of the world? 
Can you read that for us? I forget what verse it is. I don't have it open. Sorry. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, This man came from a witness to bear witness of the light that all through him might believe. He was not that light. Speaking of John the Baptist. But was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. All right. Now, this whole passage in John 1, you have to remember, is speaking about the word. And it talks in verse 14 about the word becoming flesh. It names him as Jesus Christ in verse 17. And so when you read this, he's saying that Jesus was the light. Jesus is the light. Now, I want you to take note of what John says in 1 John, speaking about God. Now, we often talk about God, you know, God is love, which also comes from 1 John. Now, by the way, love cannot exist as a self thing because love requires there to be more than one individual to receive and to give. Love cannot exist with a singular entity. That doesn't make sense, right? I can't love anybody if it's only me. Love doesn't exist. There's just me. But as soon as you exist, I can love you, right? As soon as someone else exists, I can love them. Um, so this idea is, is also lending itself to this plurality of God. Another evidence for this is in 1 John chapter 1, where it talks about in verse 5, it says, This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay, so check this out. It says God is light. But in John chapter 1, it says Jesus is the light. And it's saying God is light, Jesus is light. So there's another illusion that's being made here, talking about Jesus as being divine, as being deity, as being God himself. There are a number of other places. One of the key evidences that is really powerful is that only God is worthy of being worshipped. Um, you see this in Revelation chapter 5, uh, particularly that the angels worship God because he's the maker. For example, they, they say, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Now, it's powerful to note this, because when we see angels in Scripture, for example, in John chapter, uh, Revelation chapter 19, I think it's verse 10, there's this instance where John the Revelator, which is the same John we believe is John who wrote the Gospel of John, he sees this divine divinely given vision and in that vision he sees an angel and he's so overwhelmed by what he sees in the angel check this out it says that and he i fell at the angel's feet to worship him but he said to me see that you do not do that i am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of jesus worship god right he says worship god don't worship me but notice this in matthew chapter 27 or maybe it's 28 sorry matthew chapter 28 we have this interesting passage where Jesus is resurrected from the dead and he appears before his disciples. And in verse 17, it says these disciples had gathered around him and it says when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And notice Jesus' response. If Jesus is not divine, if Jesus is not God, then he is not worthy of worship. Only God is worthy of worship. And so if Jesus is not divine, if he is a created being, if he is somehow just come into existence later, then he is not able to be true and to receive worship. He would have to deny it. Does that make sense? Am I making sense here? But notice what he says. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth, etc., etc., etc. And he says nothing about stopping them from worshipping him. 
even throughout the, the text of Scripture, it says that when Jesus was resurrected, I think this is in Luke's account, maybe it's John's account, I can't remember where it is, Thomas, when he sees the resurrected Christ, it says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus does not say anything about it. He does not correct him. He accepts and receives worship. But God alone is worthy of worship. Only God is worthy of worship. So here are just some other scriptural evidences that hopefully can back that up. There are many more. John chapter 8 is another powerful one that we'll get to in this Bible study in a number of weeks, where Jesus is speaking, and in verse 58, uh, they, they ask him for his authority. You know, How can you, who are just a young man, have seen Abraham? Because he says, you know, before Abraham was, I am. That's what he says here in John eight fifty eight. Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And what he's alluding to here is he's alluding back to this name of God that's given to in Exodus three fourteen to Moses, where the angel of the Lord, right, by the way, which is a name for Jesus in the Old Testament, is there and appears before Moses, and he says, Moses says, who, who shall I tell them sent me? And he says, tell them I am. I am sent you. He's claiming to be the angel of the Lord who also receives worship, who is Jesus, who is divine. He is the maker. He's the creator. He is not a created being, but he is one with the Father and with the Spirit. Do you feel the world is broken? Feel the shadows deepen But do you know that all the dark Won't stop the light from getting through Do you wish that you could see it all made new Does our God intend to dwell again? 
are listening to Real Faith with Robbie and Tash. Super excited to have you with us. And by the way, uh, I'm, I'm going to do a shameless book plug. I wish I had a copy of this book to give to people, but we don't. So if you've got a pen handy, if you're interested to learn more about the New Testament's understanding of Jesus and and his relation to God, his relation to the Father, his divinity as, as understood in the early church, as understood in the scriptures, Old Testament, New Testament, I have a book recommendation for you. It's short. It's one of the best books I've ever read on the subject, and uh, um, probably one of the best books I've ever read that are theologically, actually, in all honesty. And the book is called God Crucified by Richard Bauckham, uh, B-A-U-K, sorry, B-A-U-C-K-H-A-M. Richard Bauckham, the book is called God Crucified, Monotheism and Christology in the New Testament. Fantastic, very biblical very good study on the subject. So if it's if if you're open-minded about the subject and you're interested in learning more, it's a great book and I highly recommend it. God Crucified, Monotheism and Christology in the New Testament by Richard Bauckham. You can get it on Kindle for like 12 bucks. Um, it's, it's a great read. Anyway, let's jump back into the rest of this text. So we're in John 1. We're going to finish the reading and then we're going to draw out some real-life applications. So we are continuing. How's Nathaniel going to respond? Verse 47 of John 1. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you hereafter, you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Beautiful. Beautiful. Super cool passage. What does he say to Nathaniel? Hey, bro. I knew you. you. You're an Israelite. You're a true Israelite, right? You're an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Now, the, the name of Israel prior to being changed to Israel by God was Jacob, Jacob, which means supplanter or often translated as deceiver. But he changed his name from deceiver to the one who wrestles with God or the one who 
Oh, it's not the exact translation. One who strives with God, I think, is a more accurate one. But isn't it interesting that he says to the Nathaniel, hey, I saw you. And it doesn't tell us here in Scripture what exactly that moment was under the fig tree. But it seems to be implied that there was some moment that he was having with God under that fig tree, and Jesus identifies that. He identifies that I knew you in that secret place where you were, where there was something going on. And he says, I, I knew you then. I saw you. I saw you in that secret place that nobody else knows about. And he gives him this evidence that he is who he says he is. And so Nathaniel, he just, he says, you're the son of God. You're the king of Israel. You're the one that we've been waiting for. You're all of our hopes are found in you. And he calls him rabbi, teacher. He says, I'm your follower. I'm your follower. And he's like, hey, man, you, you believe because of this? Check this out. Check this out. And he makes reference to what Jacob saw because Jacob saw. I've only, I've only just realized this right now. It was Jacob who saw the vision of the ladder to heaven or the stairway to heaven that the angels were coming to and fro from heaven to earth. And he says, you will see the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. In other words, God's messages to humanity are coming through Jesus. I am the bridge between earth and and heaven. You're going to see it. You're going to see that I am the bridge between man and God. Isn't that beautiful? And he uses that title, Son of Man, which harkens back to Daniel, all the prophecies about the Son of Man and Daniel, Messiah. Powerful. All right, so we've got three minutes left. What can we draw practically out of this chapter? What can we apply to our real life? I, oh, I've, always, I've always been a sharer of a good thing. And that's why when, honestly, when uh, a good sale, a good book, a good anything. But honestly, when I, f- when I fell in love with Jesus again, I couldn't help but tell as many people as I could. And it was, and it was, it was just such a joy to do that as well, because I had finally got to experience for myself and I wanted my friends and my family to have the same experience. And I think it's, oh, it's just a good challenge for us. Like share that good thing, share, share the good news, share, share what God is doing in your life, share, yeah, we, we did a shameless plug earlier about sharing sharing this radio station. But yeah, this is. But it know, doesn't have to be that. But it doesn't have to be that. Especially just, if you yeah. don't agree with what we're saying, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's true. You can find another way to share Jesus. It's not about us. Yeah, it's not it's about, about us. Jesus, and yeah. that's the whole point of the chapter, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And I love this. I love that it's the sphere of influence that you have, you can witness to. Peter was not in the crowd when Jesus was identified to be able to hear Jesus. So guess what? If Andrew hadn't gone and told him. How would he have known? And so you and I are called to witness to our spheres of influence because no one else, you know, I can't reach the people I don't know. Simple as that. I don't. I can't reach the people that aren't in my sphere of influence, and and neither can you. But we can, by the grace of God, find those who are in our sphere of influence and share the good news of Jesus with them. And that's that's the invitation that I believe Jesus is calling for all of us. And here's the other thing. We're not called to go out and Bible bash and tell everybody, you must believe and blah, blah, blah. Don't get me wrong. We, we need to tell people the truth. But notice what he says. The invitation was, come and see. Come and see. Don't believe me because of me. Don't believe me because I'm on the radio. Don't believe me because I got some paid position in a church. Don't believe me because of that. That's all, that doesn't matter. Come and see for yourself. Open the pages of Scripture and test Jesus Try him out for yourself. He says himself, come and see. Come and see whether or not I can do for you the things I said I can do. Come and see whether or not I am the fulfillment of these prophecies. Come and see whether or not I am the Son of God. Come and see whether or not I can save you from yourself. 
And it's not about knowledge just in the head. It's about knowing Jesus personally. It's going to require, notice what it required. To follow Jesus meant they had to get off their backside and walk with Jesus. They had to go. They had to explore. They had to do it themselves. So stop waiting around for somebody to do it for you because they won't. Do it yourself. Go seek Jesus yourself. Speak to him. Pray to him. Read the Bible for yourself. You know, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will be our teacher. He doesn't say that you have to come to me to find an answer to somebody else. He says the Holy Spirit will teach you. So come seek him out for yourself. Well, my friends, it's been a great show. We hope that you are blessed. And remember, my friends, that real faith is live Live faith. faith. But come and see. Come Come and and see. see.